passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. That is not going to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir. May I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock's advice. Shut your mouth. What you want. What you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am the jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whips your ass. What's going on, brothers and sisters? Coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7. I am the Godfather, Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, your favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this week, 2012's Journey to the Mysterious Island. That is the peck pop of love. Now go on and throw a berry. No. Go on and throw a berry. There's some right behind you. Grab one and throw it. Don't I'm be not... afraid. They're not going to bite. Grab a berry. Boom. 
Now go ahead, grab a bunch. Rapid fire right now. I'm not doing rapid fire. They will not stop until you feed them. Not feed them? No. Feed them. They're hungry. I'll feed them. Atta boy, come get some. Okay, you ready? Ready? Here we go. Okay, ready? This one's special. Make this one count. Oh. Mm, no, no way. That's awesome. Stop encouraging him. <laughs> Gift. It is a gift. Sean, it works every time. All right. See that right there? That was just a little taste, a little snippet, a little sneak preview to get you excited for this cinematic masterpiece that we are going to discuss this week. But you know, folks, I cannot do this alone. I am only one man. And and as we've learned in these trying times, we all need to come together to accomplish the goal. And so helping me out this week to accomplish the goal of reviewing Journey to the Mysterious Island. I've got a very special guest in the theater. You know, since every Siskel needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs a Twine. My guest this week is somebody that donated on a recent edition of the Post Wrestling Cafe, uh, one of the hangouts that John and Way did, and, and it was a charity event. And so, you know, I made the challenge. I put it out there. Anybody that donated $10 or more, could have a spot here on the Rocky Mile via picture show. And this gentleman that's going to join me in the theater this month was one of the first people to step up. So let me bring in my very special guest. He is a lifelong pro wrestling fan. He is a loyal postmark. He is a frequent contributor to the Post Wrestling Cafe Hangout, where you can hear him chatting with John Pollock and Wei Ting each and every week. My guest is Neil from Northern Ireland, a.k.a. our man Neil, a.k.a. Brother Neil Flanagan. Neil, <laughs> how you doing this week, man? Doing really well, Nate, and it's an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be with you. And uh, uh, yes, it's by your grace and that, that fantastic challenge you put out there on the Cafe Grande Hangout that I'm here. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Hey, it, it is my pleasure to have you here, man. Thank you for, for being charitable. And since, you know, this kind of thing started out of out of a response to the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic that's taken over the world, I just want to check in with you real quick, brother, because, you know, people have heard, whether it's on the post shows or over on the Kings of Sport, how I've kind of been handling this crisis. But I'm wondering for you over there, you know, across the pond, if you will, you know, you guys experienced this first, you know, coronavirus is kind of like the Spice Girls or the Beatles. Y'all had it first. Y'all y'all experienced it first. And then we experienced it over here stateside. But, but you know, all jokes aside, brother, you know, how have you been holding up and, and, and how have you been experiencing this kind of collective crisis that we've all been going through around the world? I think it's something that's bringing the world, at least uh, the kind of Western world, uh, together in a way because – uh, as as a member of the post wrestling family, you know, and hearing uh, weekly what what other people are going through, it's very similar. Um, we are those of us who work from home are losing track of time, losing mm. the sense of what day is which. Um, uh, the obviously it's uh, the daily the daily reports make for some grim viewing and grim listening of the uh, the numbers of hospitalizations, positive tests and of course deaths but um we'll we'll get we'll all get there together if we if we do what we're if we do the right thing. Mm. Yeah, I think one thing that that people are learning 
throughout this this uh, shared trauma, Neil, is I think you know patience is something that. Yeah. If you didn't have it going into this, you certainly are going to have it coming out of this. Uh, I was watching one of the daily briefings today, and uh, Governor Cuomo in New York mm-hmm. uh, was was doing his best uh, Winston Churchill, where you know he was saying that this is not the end. You know, it's not even the beginning of the end, but it could be the end of the beginning. Meaning, yeah. you know, we are kind of through the opening volley of this, but we still have to be vigilant, you know, and people still have to practice social distancing and, and good hygiene and, and continue to put the work in so that hopefully, you know, in a couple of months, we can have this in the rearview mirror. Yeah. As an observer of what's happening in the United States from this end of the Atlantic, I would say Andrew Cuomo is coming across as the real leader over there. Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get too into politics, but I'll leave it at that. Um, but we're getting the same messages too, which is that um, hopefully, hopefully there's this flattening of the curve. If it's not happening right away, it's so, it's coming as long as everybody just sticks sticks to the game, social distancing, hand washing, stay at home unless you have to go out. All of those things. Yeah, so we, you know, I think we're getting a better idea right now, Neil, of of who is essential and and who is non-essential. And mm. for the purposes of this program, there there is one man who is more essential than <laughs> any other, and that, of course, would be our man Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Sorry. Oh yes, oh yes. So, you know, obviously, you're a lifelong wrestling fan, so you've got some familiarity with the Rock. Tell me about your relationship to The Rock as a wrestler, and, and and were you watching during the Attitude Era, and did he kind of connect to you as a performer? Oh, absolutely, yeah. When I say lifelong fan, um, I'm, I really mean it. I mean, I've been watching wrestling forever. When I was little, we would visit my grandmother in Belfast on Saturdays and go shopping with her, and I would always want to be home in time from the shops to watch World of Sport Wrestling on, mm. on ITV, which was the British show. Um Fit Finley back in those days was a little, it was, I mean, I think he was probably in his late teens. I would need to check. But wrestling kind of went away in the UK and Ireland for a while. And then multi-channel TV took off. We had really only about three or four, you know, network TV channels. And then suddenly those Sky TV came. Mm. And with it was WWF, Superstars of Wrestling um, and Wrestling Challenge. And then later on they added... Raw and uh, the pay-per-views, you would get an edited version of those sometimes a week or so after they actually happened. But we were at school and we were obsessed with uh, the World Wrestling Federation as it was then, uh, which is a very long-winded way of saying, yeah, I'm old enough to remember every bit of The Rock's wrestling career, uh, right from his introduction as Rocky Maivia in uh, late 96. I would say... I didn't become a really big fan until a couple of years later um, with his pairings with Foley. Yes. Uh, it's Which I still think are the most memorable parts of his, his parts plural, really, of, of his career for me. That absolutely brutal I quit match with, mm. um, with the chair shots. Um, halftime heat with the forklift yep. truck. <laughs> And of course, once they became buddies, the Rock and Sock connection. As partners or enemies, I always enjoyed the Rock's chemistry with Foley, and I think that was my favorite, uh, my favorite parts of his career. Um, as for the movies, well, 
I remember going to see The Mummy Returns in the cinema when it was released. And uh, so that was what, 2001, thereabouts? And The Scorpion King. There were a few movies during that his early period in Hollywood as a movie star I didn't see at the time. And there's quite a few I still haven't seen, having looked, you know, on. Um, I'm experiencing through your experiencing them now through your show, Nate. Um, and there's one or two I've thought, yeah, I better go. I should go back. Uh, the, the, you know, this is getting great reception from Nate and his guests. And there are a few that I'm thinking, yeah, I'll just go with. <laughs> I'll go with uh, what Nate and his guests have said, which is not so good. I did see Doom, which I know is um, Oof. One of your <laughs> my, my condolences, brother. <laughs> did you pay for Doom? Did you go I'm, see Doom in the theater? I'm, I'm afraid I did. Yeah, Oof. yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those things because um, because of the video game. There's a great deal of curiosity, you know. Yeah. I, I have no idea how that did at the box office. I think it probably did all right, um, but uh, yeah, uh, not a good movie. <laughs> I think it's one of the few movies that The Rock has done that he will openly kind of throw shade upon, yeah. uh, you know, because he realizes it didn't work as a video game adaptation, but it also didn't work. You know, and this is something that we brought up when we actually did the review of Doom. Like they took everything that is great about Dwayne Johnson as a performer and they kind of muted it. Mm and so yes. it's like you don't get a great video game movie and you also don't get a great rock movie. Yeah. It's it's it it doesn't really work on any level. No. <laughs> the script is horrible. The the storyline is rubbish. The direction seems to be poor. It's got know. one scene that that is that is any good or, or memorable by by any stretch and that's that that first person scene. Yes, absolutely, which is what everybody thinks of Doom as being, you know. So that was I'm glad they did that, but um, maybe they, maybe you can't do an entire movie in that format. So yeah. Uh, so so what do what do you think of The Rock in general as an actor? You know, obviously some of his early movies are kind of hit and miss, but as a as a as a as a thespian, as we say in the intro, mm. as a movie star, you know, now being one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood, what do you think of Dwayne Johnson as a performer? I, I think he's terrific. He brings an awful lot. To particularly from, uh, let's see, from about this period that we're talking about, especially, you know, um, late 2010s and yep. into the 20 teens. Um, I th- Pretty much you know, everything from Fast Five on, like that's I, when he starts to kind of hit his stride. Absolutely. Yeah, that's where I mean, he's. He's clearly, and this goes for his wrestling career as well, one of the most charismatic uh, individuals ever to be on screen, whether that's small screen or the silver screen. Um, And as a wrestler, um, anything that he lacked in the ring, and he did get really good, actually, you know, but um, anything he lacked in the ring was way more than made up for by that charisma his ability to talk his ability to look straight down the camera and straight into you you know you felt he was looking right at you Mm. and he brought that to he brought that to the films as well i think once he hit his stride in the movies um he was he's he's a terrific presence and that's that's a reason why he commands the the kind of paychecks that he that he commands and um yeah i agree with you though that um i think 
the roles that he's been finding for himself. And I think he's now working as, you know, a co-producer or executive or an EP on a yep. lot of the, the movies these days, uh, play to his strengths a lot more. And um, that I agree is from really fast five onwards. And they are probably my favorite rock movies or the fast and furious franchise from his joining them. Mm. Um, but also, I mean, a great fun movie um, you won't have covered yet, um, San Andreas. I really enjoy it. It's one of those big epic disaster movies. Um, I don't hear a lot about it, but, you know, it's 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 one that I remember thinking was great fun in the cinema. Moana, of course. Um, yeah. Um, even Baywatch, you know, which had its detractors. I thought, it was, <laughs> I thought it was great fun. Yeah, I think he's gotten to this point where he is so charming and people just generally like the rock. Like no matter the demographics, no matter, you know, what, what side of the pond you're on, you know, no mm-hmm. matter uh, male or female, young or old, like people just generally like Dwayne Johnson. And so I think he's at the point where even if his movies aren't the best, uh, and I'm thinking of like in particular modern, modern uh, efforts like rampage, like even yeah. if they're not the most well-received, it doesn't really stick to him. Like he's almost Teflon in a way because for every not so great movie he's in, we know we're going to get him in a Hobbs and Shaw or we're going to get him yes. in another Fast and Furious movie or or something like Moana where where he's just so charismatic. And so we kind of forgive the missteps. S- certainly, yes. And, and especially since he's so prolific. Um, yep. You know, it, from around 2013, 2014, he's, he's, he's pumping out multiple films a year. So if there's a if there's a stinker in there, no one really cares. They, we, all, we all forgive him. And he can also be the saviour of a film. And I think that might be something we'll touch on in, in, mm. <laughs> when, we, when we get into a journey to the mysterious island. Yes, a, a bit of foreshadowing there, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but before we, we get into our journey to this mysterious island, Neil, let's take a step back. And I'm sure in, in these hard times that, that everybody's going through, it might do us some good to take a trip back into time with a little something we like to call the time war. All right. So for those of you that are new to the program, you know, for those that are just here to hear Neil, uh, we, we, we're getting that Flanagan bump this week, folks. My mom. Uh, <laughs> for those of you that are new to the program, the time warp is where we take a look back in time and, and we check out what's going on in the culture, in particular on the music charts. Uh, at the time that this film was released. So, Neil, we, we, we got a couple of uh, fun little party games to play here, uh, here in the Time Warp. Uh, and we'll start with the music charts, because Journey 2 premiered on February 10th, 2012 in the United States. Neil, do you know what the number one song on the Billboard Top 40 chart was that week? I do not know, but um, I can make an educated guess. Okay. 2012 is a memorable year for me. Uh, the London Olympics were mm, on. Yes. The biggest film was the first was the first Avengers movie. Dark Knight Rises was was around, you know. So there was a lot going on in popular culture. There was a lot going on in sport. There was stuff going on in my in my life in work as well. Um, so it's a year I've I've got pretty good memory of. Um, I'm at a slight disadvantage in that the billboard charts may be quite different from the hits that were, you know, at the top of the Irish charts or the UK mm. charts. But there's a lot of crossover normally. 
So uh, I'm going to have, I think I'll play safe and go with Rihanna, who was kind Ooh. of permanently in the charts at, that, <laughs> at this time. Not Rihanna. I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you one more mm. guess, Neil, uh, because you do make the point that there there can be some crossover, and this artist is somebody who I think would certainly cross over to the uh, UK charts, uh, mm. uh, g- given that she's from that part of the world, and that, okay. that's my only hint. Okay, she as well is is the second hint, and I think yes. a female singer from the UK who was huge in twenty twelve. That's got to be Adele, hasn't mm. it? Yep. Now, I know that Skyfall came out that year as well, but it's too early for that song. Um, Fire to the Rain? Yes, there you go. From the album 21, it was Adele set fire to the rain. Yes. so happy <laughs> <laughs> now i think this was the because this was the same album that had a uh, rolling in the deep on it. that's right so that yeah. would have been the first time i was really exposed to adele's music and i, and I dug it what, what what did you make of adele neil because i'm sure as big as she was over here she probably was even bigger over on that side of the water absolutely huge yeah and and she couldn't release a song that didn't go to number one and um, certainly in the uk or ireland and um Although for me, I'm not. It's not really my uh, favorite genre of music. You know, kind of the, the crooner. Um, yeah. The uh, Mariah Carey, Adele, uh, Celine Dion. That kind of. I mean, I really admire their talent. They're wonderful singers and sometimes songwriters as well. In the case of Adele, but. Um, it's not my jam. It's not the sort of thing I'd be sticking my headphones on and singing you know, <laughs> to myself. But yes, certainly have a big admiration for their talent. That's for sure. I like something with the beats. Yeah, well, there's um, something that like I find really interesting in music, Neil. And it's like one of these days I need to actually sit down and, and do a show on it because I've been fascinated by it for years. And it's that you get a lot of artists from England and, and from the UK that that are heavily into or heavily influenced by black soul music from America. Yeah. Uh, whether you're talking about Adele or, or somebody like Amy Winehouse or even the Beatles, Beatles who are very yeah, influenced absolutely. by, you know, that R&B from America. And so it's like, I don't know why, like, it's it hits over there in a, in a way that, like, because, like, new artists in America that are coming up, you don't hear the same amount of, you know, reverence for somebody like an Aretha Franklin or a Sam Cooke that you do maybe from this random white guy or girl that comes from England or comes from Ireland. It is odd. Yeah, uh, I agree. But it's absolutely a a real uh, phenomenon. There was um, a whole musical kind of movement in in England called Northern Soul or Blue-Eyed Soul, Mm. basically because most of the people performing were white and... um, very much based on kind of uh, the you know what was coming from Motown and and and, and yep. the like and that is that has carried along. Um, where we're getting a bit of divergence these days, 
something called grime, which is, um, I mean, you, and th- this is uh, the urban um, and black music, particularly coming from London, mm. is very, it has a very English kind of uh, vibe to it. No one is trying to put on an American accent. They're, they're rapping in a, in a London sort of Cockney accent or um, uh, Dizzy Rascal is, is one. I don't know if you've heard of him. And there's another guy just called Dave. Okay. Who, um, <laughs> who, yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's funny when you hear it for the first time. But, uh, and they get really political and, and, and uh, kids absolutely love it. I'm getting a bit too, too old for these things. <laughs> but uh, no, no, you're right. I mean, you only, it, it's, it's something I've always wondered about since being a kid, you know, that the moment you burst into song to, to, to sing a hit single, you're doing it in an American accent. And then that, that's, mm. um, that's from the Beatles, the Who, uh, the Rolling, uh, Rolling Stones, you know, all of whom are yep. uh, English guys, you know, so. Like one of the craziest things I used to be, I, I mean, I still am uh, not nearly as much as I was in my twenties though, but, but uh, like I used to be a real big Beatles fan. Um, mm-hmm. Like I still dig them, but not as much as as I was in my twenties. But it's it like I think there's this weird stretch where a lot of the Beatles work is influenced by that you know Motown R and B, and then it gets kind of reciprocated when you have people like Stevie Wonder or Dionne Warwick uh, or Otis Redding doing Beatles covers, and then they're getting hits off of that. Sure, absolutely, yeah. One of my favorite um, YouTube videos, and uh, it got taken down and it really annoyed me. It's probably back up somewhere or on Daily Motion. Is um, there's Otis Redding singing "Hey Jude" yes. with with Tom Jones, <laughs> <laughs> and the, these guys trying to outsing each other, and it is quite something to see. It's kind of the equivalent of a rap battle, but just with guys who can really hold a note you know it's it's wonderful so i i i encourage everybody to have a look for that if they can um jones i'm 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 cool with tom jones there's a reason that uh carlton banks was such a big fan of that man he he got a little soul to him (laughs) yeah yeah he was a pal of elvis as he likes to tell everybody he's on our version he's on our version of the voice you know he's one of the judges oh okay in the in the swiveling chairs and uh, he's, it's become a bit of a running joke that he, he's always talking about his friendship, that he knew Elvis Presley and that, that he was a good pal of him and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Good to see Tom Jones still kicking around. Yeah, yeah, he's 80-something now. Mm-hmm. And still got a gig. And he can still sing because if you, I don't know whether it's the same on The Voice US, but uh, the judges will, all, will sometimes get together for a bit of a jam, you know, and sing. Yeah. And uh, he he can certainly still hold a note, which is no mean feat at that age, because no. when you hear, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Beatles, too. But when you hear Paul McCartney these days mm. or you hear, let's say, um, Elton John these days, age will catch up with your vocal cords at some point, you know, and you've got to just compensate for it in some other way. They're yep. still great artists, but they don't sing the way they used to. And then that's why that's why I retired from singing in 2013. Well, hmm. I'll say more I got, about that got out later, of the game perhaps. early. <laughs> well, you have a you have a friend who who who, uh, who uh, is in who's a, a bit of a, a uncovered gem in the music scene. Who uh, I'm a big fan of, um, Braxton Witherspoon and the yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I, I am the uh, Tom Jones to Braxton Witherspoon's Elvis. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> I, I was very, I, well, he, he uh, produced, I think, one of the best, because as I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I am a long time listener of uh, not just John Away, but yourself as well. It um, goes back, I don't want to change the subject from music, but uh, just a, a real quick diversion is um, I was kind of the equivalent of a secret admirer for a long time. <laughs> Not really engaging on social media with John away or yourself or Brian or 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 um, or Dan or uh, but I remember seeing a live audio wrestling sign in the crowd on a pay per view and it was like a really random one probably Capital Punishment twenty eleven or something like that. Mm, Googling okay. it, I thought, well, what's this live audio? Googling it and finding all of these wonderful spin off podcasts. Um, so I've been listening to um, you since Review and Impact, Keep It 100, um, Keep It 2000, of course now TRMPS, and most recently I've gotten into Kings of Sport because I thought, well, it's American sport and I really only follow the NFL, so will I like this? And I love it, of course, it's wonderful, and Marcus does a fantastic job as well, so... Oh, thank you, brother. A little, di- a little diversion from music there, but I, d- I did want to just mention that. Um, yes, I'm not, I'm not quite sure why I went down that path, but uh, <laughs> oh, yes, of course, I do remember it was uh, Braxton Witherspoon because yes, he's been Braxton around for a while. Yes, Braxton Witherspoon and the smart marks. <laughs> he has been around for a while, um, but the uh, the um, the 2019 jingle I thought was possibly the best, his best work. Um, you know, oh, 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 to yes, 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 <laughs> yeah. yes. I mean, we're, we're going back to the theme of R&B. I, I think of like the last two years, Braxton's found his groove by going to uh, Jackson 5 Christmas songs and then converting yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> I think the year before was, uh, was the year before was uh, Give Love on Christmas Day, which yes. is. He changed to give love to Roman Reigns because that's, that's when right. Roman was uh, recovering from that's leukemia. Right. Indeed, indeed, heartfelt. Yeah. Yes. You know, every uh, now and then, Braxton comes with that emotion. Certainly, yeah, and um, and then a bit of fun with the way, yeah. <laughs> so, changing register. I'm not a good singer, as you can tell. But I do have a quick um, anecdote about Rihanna. Um, we found love was it was a hit around that time. I don't as we've as we've established it wasn't number one, but uh, that the the music video for uh, that song was filmed literally um, a five minute walk from where I live. Really, I don't know why Riri was was in Northern Ireland, but she was, oh. and um, a farmer, a local farmer, gave her permission to film the video in. Uh, one of his wheat f- fields, and uh, he didn't know who Rihanna was, but he, said, he told them to go ahead. And she's she's in the video <laughs> dancing around in a red bikini, yes, with kind of a, a plaid shirt. Yes, well, look, the, the postmarks are well aware of this video. <laughs> we remember the video in question, sir. <laughs> well, it has a special connection to me because it happened, you know, like a mile away. And the farmer, and this is a true story, if you Google Rihanna and just the word farmer, you'll get this story. Um, And one of the headlines is something like, you know, Rihanna 
Get Off My Land and Find God, Farmer Tells Singer. Wow. <laughs> he interrupted the video. He interrupted the video shoot to tell oh. Rihanna to go and cover up. Wow. Uh, he said that he didn't know who she, who she was when he agreed uh, to, <laughs> that they could shoot on his farm, on his on his land. And um, but there was no hard feelings in the end, and he shook hands. <laughs> it was quite the story over here, as you can imagine. That's that's tremendous. Yeah, that that's like that's a that's a story you can tell until the day you die. Yeah. Like, the time I told Rihanna to go put on some clothes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stop! Stop frolicking in my wheat. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I have to take it to market. <laughs> yes, this guy was not happy. I'm just looking at it actually, just to get his from my point of view. This is it. It was my land. I have an ethos and I felt it was inappropriate. I wish no ill against Rihanna and her friends. Perhaps they could acquaint themselves with a greater God. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, even by Northern Irish standards, perhaps a, you know, a bit of a cook on the road. Taking it slightly too far. <laughs> uh, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's a great story. So, yeah, shout out to Rihanna. Uh, and then shout out to the farmer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's let's get back on track here. Let's get yeah, back, back on this journey, Neil. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great that was a great uh, little little side trip. But let's get back on topic because <laughs> we've got one more game left to play before we get to the uh, film proper, and that of course is the budget game, Neil. Yeah. So, Journey to the Mysterious Island had a budget of eighty million dollars neil can you tell me what the worldwide box office was worldwide from 80 million um, this actually kind of surprised me well i'm going to say it turned a profit um for sure because i do know i don't know the figure but i do know there were plans for another sequel mm. and i don't think they would have that if it had been a turkey so let's say doubled its money let's say 160 160 million okay see that that would have been my guess that would have been my guess if i hadn't uh have looked up the actual figures so yes the budget was 80 million dollars neil journey mm-hmm. to the mysterious island made 335 <laughs> million dollars worldwide <laughs> Wow. The millions. Millions of dollars. 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 That's crazy. Three, three, five million. That is, that is amazing. Because I listened to your, the, listening to the review of, Fast Five. I think yeah. it was five hundred million, wasn't it? It was something uh, like six hundred. Six hundred. Well, yeah, yeah. But even so, for this to get anywhere in that ballpark is amazing to me. It just shows yeah. that there's there is a big appetite because um, we'll get into this, I'm sure. But I wasn't really aware. Of, <laughs> I have to admit, I wasn't really aware of this film until fairly recently, and um, it just shows there's still a big market for you know quote family movies unquote. Um, because I think this 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 film is pretty much geared for families and 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 
kids, young adults, that kind of a market. And it just shows what a film like that can do at the box office. Yeah, I, I was surprised. And, and as a mark of comparison, like the original journey to uh, the, or the original journey to the center of the earth with Brendan Fraser that came out in 08 had a budget of 60 million and made 244 million. So like, yeah, these movies are mm. low key profitable for Warner brothers, but for whatever reason, they weren't able to generate a third one. Cause you'd figure after bringing in over 300 million, you'd have the next one in the shoot ready to go. But they, they had plans for a sequel, as you mentioned, Neil. They just weren't able to get it off the ground. Yeah, I did my best not to look into the details of the movie too much on Wikipedia or on IMDb and so on, because I didn't want to cheat when it comes to, your, to you know, the time warp. But um, I, I did have to look up something about the first movie, uh, the non-Dwayne Johnson one, uh, the Brendan Fraser one. And somewhere in there, yes. it did say that there was a sequel and plans for a third one that never got off the ground. So I, I knew that, but I didn't know the budget the, and, and the box uh, office. Is... I guess this was planned as like a, a Jules Verne trilogy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, 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 the uh, Jules Verne cinematic universe. And, and, you know, they only they only got two films in, but that's still one film more than the Universal Monsters shared universe that only had that one film with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's probably too many it's probably two films about Jules Verne being real than I would have ever thought would would appear in the world. You know, Jules Verne stories being factual, but uh, we we'll, yes. again that's something we'll get into I guess when we get into the plot. Yeah, so uh, real quick one last thing on the sequel uh to this one uh, on In August 2014, it was announced that Carrie and Chad Hayes were writing the script for the third film. In 2015, Brad Payton and Dwayne Johnson uh, both said that they'd be coming back. Uh, but then in 2018, the third film, which was going to be called Journey from the Earth to the Moon, had stalled out because of lack of immediate interest. And I think had they done this, had they planned this, you know, immediately after seeing the response to journey to the mysterious island if instead of waiting till 2014 to start writing a new script if they had started immediately and were able to put out a film maybe two years later they the window would have been there but by 2018 nobody was really interested in a, a sequel to a movie that people had forgotten about yeah i think that's the i think that's the the key to it really um too too much time passing because one of my criticisms, and this, this is tipping my hand a little bit here, Neil, is mm. while this is a solid movie, it's not something that you really are going to hold on to and remember a long time past when you see <laughs> it. It doesn't have that kind of resonance. So let's get into yeah. Journey to the Mysterious Island, directed by Brad Payton, uh, based on the Mysterious Island by Jules Verne, and starring and co-produced by our man, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So going into this, Neil, was this the first time you'd watched this film for, for this podcast, or had you seen it before? Had you watched the uh, original uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth with Brendan Fraser? What's what's your familiarity with the, the Jules Verne cinematic universe? <laughs> Nate Zero is, is, the, is the answer. Uh, I had not heard of this film, or if I had, I 
wasn't aware, you know, it didn't stick with me, mm-hmm. uh, nor the uh, the predecessor film. But of course, for um, the purposes of this show, I've, I've I watched it, and um, I, I also watched the first one uh, in case there was any anything <laughs> I needed to know, <laughs> and I needn't have bothered. Continuity, the the deep. <laughs> Deep-seated continuity between the <laughs> the journey films. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew The Rock wasn't in the first film. I didn't know that there's only one actor in yeah. common, and um, Josh Hutcherson. And um, there's really you do not need to see Journey to the Center of the Earth um, to know what's going on in this film. So no, I think there's like two or three kind of throwaway lines that reference the first film, but other than that, you don't need to know anything about it. Yeah. I mean, even even the the Sean character, the the kid, uh, his mother is is not played by his, his yes, mother. They is, replaced is his a mom. Character, yeah, she's a character in the first film, but only when she he she's dropping him off at his uncle, who is um, Brendan Fraser's, and um, she's in it for like a, a minute, and it's not Christian's. <laughs> um, the actress's name, Kristen. Oh, uh, Kristen Davis. City. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're you're. I guess your your core cast in this one we've got Dwayne Johnson of course we got Josh Hutcherson who you mentioned we've got uh, Kristen Davis who plays the mom we've got Vanessa Hudgens who is uh, in this cast Luis mm-hmm. Guzman who uh, like I, I'm just a Luis Guzman fan like I think anything he's in he's never going to be the main feature of the film mm-hmm. but he's always an excellent addition and then this is if you knew nothing about the 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 journey universe here uh neil the most surprising bit of casting for this entire thing <laughs> michael kane as grandpa yeah. <laughs> yeah michael kane as uh grandpa anderson yeah and uh he is cheering up the scenery in this film as he always does you know and i think he lifts it to to a level yes. that's yeah, you know, I think it probably without without Dwayne and without Michael Caine, this is uh, this is a very bad film. I, I, maybe I'm tipping my hat um, um, a little by saying that so early on in the review, but they they are key to the success of this movie. I would say. Yes. Yeah, so basically, the the kind of cliff's note version of the plot, uh, the the thirty second version of the plot is Sean is a troubled teen who had an adventure with Brendan Fraser that nobody really remembers or references in this movie. Uh, he gets shipped off with his mom in Dayton, Ohio, where he's, he's causing trouble. His stepdad is Dwayne, the rock Johnson, uh, in order to bond with this kid, Dwayne, the rock Johnson, who is a former Naval officer decides to go on a, on a, on a journey, if you will, Neil, uh, with, mm. <laughs> with his son who is looking for his lost grandfather, uh, and they're using Jules Verne books and other old literature to to find this mysterious island. They they charter a, a helicopter with uh, Louis Guzman and Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, the Josh Hutcherson character, Sean, falls for Vanessa Hudgens. Louis Guzman is trying to, you know, better his daughter's life. Uh, they get into some mishaps. There's a lot of uh, crazy wild scenery because keep in mind this was the era of the the 3d renaissance so there's a lot of scenes in this movie that you could tell even if you're not watching in 3d you're like yeah that was done specifically for 3d uh turns out 
Jules Verne wasn't just telling stories. Atlantis is real, and <laughs> they have to find a way to get off of this island because the island is sinking. Uh, I guess that's how Atlantis works. I didn't know, Neil. And so they, they've got to find. I think they mentioned that every 150 years or something like that, it sinks. And yes. Then this happens to be years. the time where they find this island. Uh, yeah. Which, which break, which give, like there's questions there. You know, there, there's oh. questions I have about the, the way Atlantis works in this particular motion picture. Um, <laughs> Me too. Me too. First of all, I thought it was the lost continent, not just like a little <laughs> island. And you know this uh, the setup for the film is is done at breakneck speed um yes. you know there's kind of there's a code uh Sean intercepts this code they work out that it's um from his grandfather and somehow or other Jules Verne and the author of Treasure I him escapes me um, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson Robert, Robert Louis Stevenson and um also, Gulliver's Travels, that's Robert, um, uh, Jonathan Swift. Yes. Somehow or other, Jules Verne, Robert Louis Stevenson and Jonathan Swift team up in the 1800s to... to There's so in the seeds for the prequel, Neil. This is the prequel. Oh goodness, to create, a, to create a map or uh, complete with coordinates. <laughs> Of which I probably I don't think were used in those days, but to find this island. So no. I'm glad they kind of sped through all of that because it's for kids. Let's face it. And um, if you stop to think about it for even a second, none of it makes sense whatsoever. I just love the idea, like you know, you brought up the Avengers, like in the script, they're they're selling us on this idea that all of these authors were really this super team of adventurers that came together. <laughs> Yeah, and somehow, and this is in the first movie too. There's a there is a group of people out there called Vernians, and they believe that the books of Jules Verne, Journey to the Center of the Earth, um, from the Earth to the Moon, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, all of these are actually factual. Somehow he experienced these things and then wrote them as novels. That that. (laughs) It doesn't really bear too much examination, but yeah, that's the premise behind <laughs> what is happening in this film. Yeah, so so like they 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 figure out the mystery. They they all work together to get off of this island. Obviously, Sean gets the girl. Uh, uh, I forget Vanessa Hudgens' character's name. Uh, Kalani. It's, yes, yeah. Uh, she and her father. They they're able to run this profitable business because they steal Jules Verne's uh, submarine. <laughs> That's how they all get off the island, uh, and and they're able to keep it and use it for like a, a tourist attraction. Yeah. And then this movie, this movie has the audacity, Neil, to give us a sequel hook at the end, <laughs> where Dwayne, yes, where uh, Michael Caine comes back with a uh, with another Jules Verne book, and he's like. Uh, it's a journey from Earth to the Moon, and it's like, oh, ready for another adventure? Like, no, no, we're not, Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. And it couldn't be a more obvious setup for the sequel, you know, the big zoom in on the ta- on the book, Journey from the Earth to the Moon, and then I think that they pan up to the moon, and, yes, and we're into the end credits. So we are all left hanging for this 
<laughs> the Anderson family or the, or the you know, uh, I don't, I, I, I forget actually the surname of the family. He's uh, Sean is Anderson in the first film, but I, I don't know that they even yeah. mention. But the, the, the extended family go to the moon. We didn't get that, unfortunately, which is a shame. <laughs> What you like about this movie? Uh, because the, obviously there's some ridiculous things going on here, Neil. But but there are some things that I like. So I want to know what you liked about Journey Two. Well, I mean, I like first and foremost, I like Dwayne Johnson in this film because his he is feels like he always does actually at home in his own skin. He's 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 got that. 1000 watt smile um he makes what is let's face it Nate not a very good script <laughs> he can make his lines work i mean there's there, there's a scene where <laughs> there's a scene where um Vanessa Hutchins character is um getting captain nemo's diary we blew past this but it's um I, and i can't even remember why they need the diary i think it's i think it tells them where to find the submarine i was gonna say they needed the diary to get to the submarine so yeah they so needed she, one MacGuffin to find the other MacGuffin. precisely yeah she's in this cave because she's the only one small enough to crawl into the opening and she picks the <laughs> she picks captain nemo's a diary from his dead, uh, from his corpse. And, you know, everything begins to rumble. And she has this line, so that's what it feels like when an island begins to sink. And I just thought, <laughs> who wrote this script? <laughs> so Dwayne, jo Dwayne Johnson can get away with an awful lot. I don't know that the rest of the cast can. Michael Caine obviously can. Yes. Um, I, so when it comes to the cast, Dwayne, um, Josh is a fine young actor. I think he did. I, I quite enjoyed. Um, not ashamed to say it, the uh, the Mockingbird. Um, or what are they uh, called? Yeah. The Hunger Games uh, movies that he yep. he does well in those. And so he's a fine young actor. Um, he's good in it. Um, um, what else do I like like about it? Um, the Rock singing "What a Wonderful World." Yes, yeah, that, that was, was a nice. highlight. Um, and you get the full you get the full version of that if you if you can sit through the end credits as well you get a nice long sort of three minute version of it. Um, dislikes are are we still? Oh, let me give you my likes first. I, I want yeah. to see if we can commiserate over our dislikes, but I'll agree with you. I think the cast is probably the strongest thing about the film. Mm. Uh, I Wayne Johnson and Michael Caine are, are really strong. Uh, like even stuff that shouldn't work, like you mentioned, Neil. Like like the whole thing where he's trying to teach Sean how to attract Vanessa Hudgens, and we get like the the peck <laughs> pop of love. Like stuff that shouldn't work on paper. DJ's able to you know make it work because he's so charismatic, and then Michael Caine brings a certain charm to the film. Uh, Louis Guzman just yeah. you know playing. He, he's essentially playing Louis Guzman. Like if you've seen him in any other movie. He's playing Louis Guzman in this movie. Uh, Carlito's way, um, maybe yeah. an exception, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. I, I think, like, the kids, like Vanessa and uh, uh, Josh, uh, they're, they're, they're fine in their roles. Uh, Kristen yeah. Davis doesn't get nearly enough to do in this movie. No. Uh, I think, what, she's in, like, the first maybe 10 minutes, and then we don't see her again until the end? That's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I the, like, the cast works. Uh, the other thing I like, 
is the like the look of the movie. Like obviously this idea of Jules Verne stories being real is ridiculous and I still don't understand. Like I've watched this movie three times now. Uh <laughs> over the last oh the like since twenty twelve. I've watched this movie three times. And I still don't understand how grandpa got on the island. No, that, that's never explained. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know how he got here and especially <laughs> It sinks every like it only shows up every once in 150 years. He knew to be in that exact spot because of these coordinates that Jules Verne wrote down that shouldn't exist. Uh, yeah. But anyway, like they, we'll we'll get to the why, why some of the things we didn't like here in a second, Neil. But I like the like the the layout of the island. I like kind of the way that it the colors popped and and obviously knowing that this was made for 3D, it makes sense. But just the aesthetics of the mysterious island really worked for me. Um, and then I think the other thing that that worked is if if you were looking for like a a good family film in 2012, I think you either had to choose between something that almost insulted your intelligence as an adult. If you took you <laughs> you, you took your kids or you took your niece or you took you know your your little cousins or something to the movie theater. There were kids films that would insult your intelligence. There were kids films that were purely marketing, uh, you know, marketing uh, expeditions, but yeah. this felt like something where like, yeah, it's not a great movie, but I didn't feel like I wasted my time either. Like it's, it's, it's a fine family film. And I think that's a credit to it. That's true. Yeah. And it's a very tight 90 minutes, yep. you know, so at no point, even if, you think it's a bit hokey or a bit silly, um, you know, you don't think uh, I, I'm going to give up on this because, you know, 10 minutes later, there's, you know, it's pacey as well. Plenty, plenty, plenty going on in the movie. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. That it, it looks it looks uh, very nice. I, I don't know where they shot the film, but um, it, it gave me um, in some parts uh, the look of uh, the TV show Lost. I mm. don't know whether that which I know was shot in, on Hawaii. I don't yeah know that that's where they shot this but um uh you know some really beautiful natural scenery which is then enhanced with some cgi stuff for the for the for the mysterious powers that the island has which is that um little creatures are big and big creatures are little <laughs> which is we encounter when they land on the island because uh, we see what we think is going to be a gigantic elephant, which turns out to be the size of a like a poodle or something like that. <laughs> and at one point, they fly on bee on the back of a giant bee, or sorry, several giant bees. Um, so uh, yeah, although um, that we'll get to that we'll get to it shortly, I'm sure. And dislikes. Yeah, there's... Just, uh, just for a note again on the on the location that you're talking about, Neil. Uh, most of the film was filmed in. Wilmington, North Carolina, but they did spend huh? a few weeks uh, on Oahu. Oh, there you go. That's probably like go. all the island stuff, or, or most of the island stuff was probably shot in Hawaii, and then everything else and the close-ups were probably taking taking place down in Wilmington. Yeah, there, there was um, there was one particular scene, and it's quite soon after they land on the island and encounter the um, lizard eggs, where they're, they're basically traveling, and I thought as a big fan of the TV show Lost, I, I, it just looked almost identical to some yeah. of the scenes on that TV show. 
So that's quite gratifying to know it was it was an Oahu. Series. And it makes sense for uh, like anybody that knows about Dwayne Johnson, like yeah. one of the places he loves to film the most is Hawaii. So like it, this was this might have been one of his earlier films shot in Hawaii, and then mm-hmm. that probably is where like that relationship kind of began to grow because you know he. He is somebody who, like, if you follow him on Instagram and then the cheat meals and the tequila sales and everything, like, <laughs> if, if he's not doing Hollywood stuff, like, he's always around Hawaii, which, yeah. is, which is a great way to live your life. I imagine it is. I've never been. But, yeah, it certainly it certainly looks quite the spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's go, let's go from the beauty of Hawaii. <laughs> And Neil to to the beast of this film and, and what are some things that you did not like about 2012's Journey to the Mysterious Island? Okay, well, I mean, I don't want to jump on this film. It's not <laughs> it's not a nice thing to do, and we've 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 been positive about it. But the uh, I've mentioned already the script. I I <laughs> I don't think that the 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 brothers Gunn who wrote this film um, are related to James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy because this is a bad script. Um, some of the lines are just really hokey. Um, <laughs> They're the guns that don't get invited over for Christmas. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, some of the, I mean, Louise Guzman is, is, is lovable, so it doesn't yeah. really matter what they get him to say, but, you know, he's kind of the, ooh, you know the, the the goofball stuff is a bit much at times. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah. I think but, like if they had given that stuff to a lesser actor, that character would have been grating at the end. By by the time we get to the end, particularly with his quote unquote heel turn or yeah. or a bit of a swerve that we get in the film. But I think mm-hmm. because it is uh, Luis Guzman, like he is able to elevate the material and there's a likability, even if he's not doing stuff that you want to see him do. Sure. Yeah. And another, another uh, thing I didn't like, uh, and you've already mentioned it is the, the, and it's, it's, it's actually very common in films of this, you know, around this time or the, they were shot for 3d and you're now watching them in 2d and yep. the gratuitous 3d scenes Whereas people are, are are reaching at the screen, things are falling towards the screen. I mean, it's once you once you know that something was shot for 3D, you cannot yeah. miss these scenes, and they become really irritating after a while. It um, reminds me of uh, I don't know if you ever watched like the Spy Kids films. Yeah, uh, those were like I thought. Those, yeah, those were some good like family family films that that didn't insult your intelligence. But the, by the time they got to the, I think it was the third one. That was in 3D. Mm. Uh, like that one was just overbearing with its use of the technology. And yeah, yeah, if you're watching it without the 3D, it just like it's it's hard to watch because it's it's everything is just like yeah, look at this, look at this. You got your glasses Absolutely. on? No, I, yeah. I don't have my glasses on. I'm watching this movie ten years later. Yeah, it, it, there was a spell when. Um, Every scene of every movie shot for 3D had to have a 3D effect in it, and uh, it doesn't. It 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 just doesn't look right. No, with uh, 2020 eyes, you know, and, uh, without your um, without and your glasses on. Movies, like the the effects are done in detriment to the story. 
Like the story suffers because they they almost lean on the gimmick of 3D like it's a crutch. Yeah, and I'm sure. I mean, in the cinema, watching um, watching The Rock pinging uh, pinging cherries off his pecs, you know, <laughs> and then fly, flying towards you in the in the in the, in the movie theater would have been great fun. Um, it actually, I'm being unfair. That that scene actually is quite funny anyway. Yeah, but. Um, you know, you don't have it. It's not as gratuitous as some movies, like you said, the Spy Kids 3D film. And in fact, the precursor to this movie is far worse for that. You know, everybody, anytime anyone reaches for something, it's a hand coming straight to the camera. You know, somebody picks up a yo-yo and starts, you know, flying the yo-yo toward the camera for no reason. And the yo-yo doesn't play any part in the plot so this film isn't as bad as some but there's certainly a fair bit of the kind of three shot for 3d like that that we all went through as a collective community around the world because i like i remember like the original 3d movies like when 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 i was growing up in the 80s yeah and then like nobody did 3d for like 15 20 years and then all of a sudden it just came back and everybody was doing 3d and and now you know 10 years after that nobody's doing 3d anymore that's like, right yeah some people are but it's it's not as ubiquitous as it was you know 10 years ago it felt like every movie had to be in 3d and even you know we've got 3d televisions and then sports right. can be in 3d like no i, I don't i don't want to watch the nba finals in 3d no thank you yeah exactly i remember i think it was um you know, I suppose the studios are always looking for some hook to get you into the theatre, you know, so I suppose um, it was that was part of it. But then, as you say, yes, we were getting these. I, we never had one, but a 3D, 3D televisions with 3D. And, and I, I do know that um, there was a local pub that was so I have seen football and by football, I mean, um, soccer mm. Um and they were showing a Manchester, a big match, you know, Manchester United versus Liverpool or something like that uh, on a 3D, big screen 3D set and handing out um, the uh, special glasses to everybody. But it's shot in a, in the weirdest way, as though you're kind of stood at one corner pitch level. Mm. And that is no way to watch football. It just looks you know, you can't see what's happening. You know, it, yes, it's kind of impressive when you see the ball seemingly coming towards you. But yeah, I, I'm glad the 3D has gone away. <laughs> as it, it, and it took a sweet time, I suppose, because if uh, the if the film before this was 2008, four yeah. years later they were still at it. You know, and um, what I think they've done, though, what they managed to do is, I remember going to see Gardens, Guardians of the Galaxy with a friend in 3d and i had already seen it in 2d mm. and what they're managing to do when they do it these days if at all i'm not quite sure whether a lot of movies are still coming out in 3d is um i think imax films will sometimes be in 3d yes they don't play up to those scenes where you know there's something coming towards you there's something coming at the screen all the time they, yeah. they, they've managed to find a balance where they can shoot the film so it works equally well or they'll have so, like, because uh, I, I th- I'm, I'm thinking it was the Dark Knight. It might have been, might have been one of the other Batman movies. But I know there, there was like a specific scene that was shot in 3D. Yeah, and it, it, but it wasn't like the whole movie was 3D. That's correct. Yeah, it was. Um, there are certain like there's the part of the film where there's a big bank heist, 
Mm, yeah. They're going from they're going from on zip lines from rooftop to rooftop, and that was one of the three D IMAX kind of scenes. But then they just cut back to normal, don't they? I think you're yep. right. Yeah, they just yeah. Which I, I think that's like a good implementation where we get, it, you know, it, it's like a high spot in the wrestling match. Like we we don't need all, yeah. now. Now I'm sounding like uh, Randy Orton or somebody. We don't need all these dives. It's <laughs> a really good analogy. Sounded, but I, actually, I was going to say I'm sounding like Jim Cornette, but I'm. Oh, don't. I, I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants you to go down that road. I think the the biggest thing for me that is a negative about Journey Two is it it just is what it is, Neil. Mm-hmm. Like it it doesn't elevate. Like if if we had a better script, or if if there were a better implementation of the three D, I guess, or if uh, you know some of the characters were more fleshed out, I think this. This elevates from just kind of a run-of-the-mill, you know, maybe above-average kids' film to a film that people go back to. Yeah. And this is like, you know, something the family watches every year at Thanksgiving because it's it's just such a classic. Uh, but I, I don't think it's, you know, it, it never hits that level. It never gets out of, no. out of first gear. It's not a terrible movie. Uh, and, and like Kane and, and, and uh, Dwayne Johnson do elevate a lot of this movie. But I feel like it just kind of stuck at this mid card level to use wrestling terminology. Yeah, it's. I agree with you. It's. It. It really doesn't. I. I, I kind of. I kind of. I'm sorry that you had to watch it three times, <laughs> because to me it has. It really doesn't have rewatch value. Doubt I'll ever see this film again. Mm-hmm. Even in a rainy, you know, when the pandemic is over and there's a rainy day and, uh, you know, I'm stuck at home and it's on, maybe it's being reshown on TV, I, I would turn it over rather than watch it again, I think. And, well, um, spoiler alert, like, Rock's already made a better version of this movie and it's called Jumanji. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, yeah you're, you're 100%. Um, I also, and I, this seems, this is going to sound mean. But Vanessa Hudgens is another negative in this film for me. I am not that familiar with her work. I know who she is. I know she's the girl from High School Musical. Yeah. I know she went out with Zac Efron, you know, the sort of pop culture references. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever seen her act. I, I just haven't seen any of those other, I haven't seen any of her other movies or Disney Channel stuff. Mm. Um, and I, she looks wonderful, of course, but... I don't know that she's a particularly solid actor. Um, and I'll, yeah, I think that's as fair as I can be. <laughs> I mean, uh, some would be calling her a bad actor recently at the time of this recording. Uh, a few Good weeks Lord. ago, she had some bad comments about the coronavirus. Uh, yes, and I do wonder if my my opinion is subconsciously, you know, influenced by that because to me, uh, as I said, yes, you know, I knew she was in High School Musical and so on. But recently, clearly, for someone my age at least, she is notable for that coronavirus um, TikTok video or, or Instagram video or a social media video anyway. About, uh, yeah, sure, people are going to die, but, you know, it was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was I, quite something. There's something about... Uh, like the 
the Disney kid actors. And I think it affects the girls more so than the guys just because I think just in general in society, it's harder to be a high-profile female than a high-profile male. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I think that that transition from being in that mold to being like a legitimate functioning adult that, that can stand on their own two feet. Uh, it's, it's more difficult. Like I, I think a comparison that I hear often, but I don't see it because one is like just continuing to flourish and continuing to grow and mature. And the other is Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is, uh, Zendaya. Like, Zendaya. I, like, yes. Yes. Yeah, like she has, she obviously, you know, started in, in that Disney channel mold, but she's found a way to pick some interesting projects. She's found a way to, you know, challenge herself mm. as an actress, challenge herself as a human being. And like, there's a maturity level there that you don't see from some of the other girls that have kind of gone through that machine. And yes. I, I don't think it's all their fault though, because I do think there's something inherent in the way like child actors and actresses are kind of groomed and brought up that, uh, changes them and not for the better. Uh, but yeah, I think Vanessa Hudgens kind of got stuck in the machine, if you will. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I do have time for Zach. Um, I think he's become quite a fine yes. actor yes. and has uh, and has had some 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 really good roles. You know, I, 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 I come to him because, of course, he's in Baywatch with Dwayne Johnson, but he, he's a good, he's a pretty good wee actor, I think. Um, yeah. And he will, you know, he's because of High School Musical, he's obviously been through that exact same machine. So, you know, we're going to sound like two old <laughs> Statler and Waldorf, you know, but <laughs> it's, the, it's the parents, Nate, it's the parents, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I think, like, again, like, it, it's not everybody. I don't want to paint a blanket statement, no. but, uh, like, I think the ones that, that are more grounded, maybe that's a good word for it, yeah. Uh and have, you know, that 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 uh support system at home. Those are the, the actors and actresses that are more likely to not fall by the wayside and not end up like uh like a Vanessa Hudgens or like uh I can't even remember the guy, but he he played uh Raven's little brother on that so Raven and he's been like in and out of trouble. Uh see so yeah, there's I there's don't some, know. <laughs> like I feel yeah. like because, like, obviously, if you think back in the 80s, like, we went through a bad spell uh, with, like, child actors. Absolutely. And then I guess things kind of kind of got cleaned up in the 90s and early 2000s. But then when you talk about, like, uh, you know, I think was Demi Lovato one of the Disney kids I'm coming up? Sure. I'm pretty sure she was, yeah. And she's she's had her share of problems. So it's like, yeah, like, there's, there's you, you, you have to have a good, uh, you have to have a good team. I think yeah. have a good support system to make it through because Hollywood's tough on adults. What's <laughs> less? Absolutely, yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, Miley Cyrus is another one that comes to mind yeah. from yeah. Um, Disney. You know, with Hannah Montana and all of that. Yeah. But she had, you know, she, I suppose she had her dad, who, uh, you know, country western star. So he could perhaps guide her a little bit with the fame thing. She had her moments, but she seemed, she seems okay to me. You know, I, I don't remember any big scandals or anything with, with Miley. So <laughs> it's possible. 
And I think it wasn't just, wasn't Timberlake a musketeer when he was a kid? Uh, Britney Spears, uh, who you know she she's gone through her her storms. Uh, yeah. Christina Aguilera was a musketeer. Mickey knows how to scout talent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, one thing though that 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 brings me to is is. Uh, Another reason to like this film is that everyone we've just talked about near enough is white. And the film before this is a bit of a whites only yes. um, club. You know, Brendan Fraser, shot, uh, the, the, the kid who plays uh, the character of Sean and the female protagonist in that film is meant to be from Iceland. And she's, she's, she's you know, blonde, blue eyes, white, very pale skin. Um, and there, there isn't a character of colour or from another country, uh, was, well, sorry, I, Iceland, I just mentioned there is, there is, but there, do you know what I mean? There's no diversity whatsoever in that film. Yeah, no, like Seth Meyers played a professor. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> He's in the film for probably cumulatively at the beginning and end, about two minutes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, strange one, Seth Meyers. The, uh, when I saw him, I thought, gosh. I, I, I didn't even know he had an acting career because I, I know him over here as a talk show host only, you know. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that, that's a positive for Journey too is not only the uh, diversity, like you mentioned, uh, but also like I feel like the like this group that like that we're following on this adventure feels like people you want to hang out with. That's not a shade on Brendan Fraser. But it's just like I, I watched that film and I wasn't too interested in it. Like it, they yeah. they didn't connect with me like The Rock and Michael Caine and and Luis Guzman and and then uh, uh, Josh and Vanessa. Like I think just the you know wanting to hang out with these people for ninety minutes. This movie definitely has the edge over the the original. Hundred percent. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I, I, I Brent's a, a, a little grating after a while. I would say. <laughs> Dwayne yeah. has his number. He keeps taking his parts. It's <laughs> like film where where he's uh kind of taking the franchise out from under Brendan Fraser's feet. Yeah. So so get ready for uh the Rock starring in Encino Man 2020. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we'll know it's personal. Yeah. Dwayne Johnson and Pauly Shore. <laughs> Lord. Uh, He's like, what's what's your name? It's the weasel, buddy. It doesn't matter what the name is. Oh, Holly Shore, like Dwayne, Dwayne is such a big star. I think he could get that movie. Like that would be that would be a hit. Him and Paulie Shore. Some would say it could be a backward step. <laughs> Nate, I think. But if anyone could, if anyone could make it work, it's Dwayne Johnson. Oh. So, um, any, any other thoughts on uh, Journey to the Mysterious Island before we get to our, our, our rankings here this month, Neil? No, not really. Any other thoughts on the, the Jules Verne cinematic universe? <laughs> yeah, much mourned. I wonder, well, it's, some things can never be left alone. Somebody in it will pick up a script from a dusty shelf and decide mm. to make the moon one, I think, someday. But uh, Did they, Have they made a... They, I'm sure they must have. Have they done an adaptation of uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Yeah, there's a really old Disney movie, a live-action Disney movie, 
That's right. Yes, yes. Uh, because it was a ride at Disney World. Yep. In Florida, when I went there with my, on a family holiday when I was when I was a kid, and it's it's quite a funny experience because uh, I don't even know if it's still part of the theme park, but um, it's called Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, but it goes <laughs> like four inches underwater. Yes, and yep. there's these kind of animatronic fish <laughs> popping out. Like I literally you, could have walked in the water and seen all this stuff. Yeah, but that, I'm pretty sure that was based on um, on uh, a, a live action Disney movie that I have a, the vaguest recollection of. So yeah, they've done that, but it'd be ripe for the redoing. Captain Nemo returns or something like that. Yeah, I'm looking it up to see when that when that film was made. Because yeah, it, it would seem if you're going to do the whole Jules Verne universe, like that would be one of if not the most famous work that he's done. I would think so. Uh, Journey... Okay, 1954 was Good the uh, Disney film. 54? Starring Kirk Douglas, James, and James Mason, and Peter Lorre. So... <laughs> wow. 1954. It's probably on Disney+. Plus. Maybe I'll look it up. It probably <laughs> is. Maybe, I don't know, like, does Disney own the rights to anything that comes out of 20,000 Leagues? That that seems like a long time to hold on to those rights. That's true. Yeah. And not do anything with them. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. No, I'm not sure. Gosh, 1954. I wouldn't have said that. I'm, I'm amazed that, it's, uh, that it made it to a, Dis- to a Disney World theme park ride. I mean, this kind of... This this film, Journey 2, kind of took some cues from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, but they didn't really give it the whole the, the, the whole treatment that we needed to see. Yeah, I mean, it's, it does so in a way that we've touched on <laughs> makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is the crossover between Mysterious Island mm. and Captain Nemo? And maybe I shouldn't say that because I haven't read these books or, you know, I think I might have read Journey to the Center of the Earth at school, but that's a long time ago. So um, maybe there is some crossover between 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and uh, The Mysterious Island. I mean, which which I had never heard of as a book, even. Yeah, I, I've, I hadn't even heard of uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Like, the only Vern I, I really was uh, familiar with was 20,000 Leagues. Yeah, and um, what's, the, what's the one... Um, in the hot air balloon, eighty days. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Around, around the world, the world. In eighty days. Yeah, around the world in eighty days. Yeah, that, I think that's probably his most famous work. But um, didn't that these, did, wasn't that a Jackie Chan? Didn't they turn that into a Jackie Chan movie? They've done some. They've done several versions of it. If if if, if, if there's a Jackie Chan one, I want to see it, and I haven't. So <laughs> I'll look I might up. be thinking of Shanghai Nights with him and Owen Wilson. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> yeah. Cause that was that was okay. So around the world in eighty days. Okay, there's there was one made in 1956, which is not the one we're looking for. Yes, Jackie Chan, Around the World in Eighty Days. And when was that? This was made in 2004, and it's a Disney film. So yeah. Jackie Chan, Around the World in Eighty Days on Disney Plus. Cool. I'll I'll definitely I'll definitely look it up. I've got nothing but time on my hands at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, we're giving you a lot of hot Disney Plus recommendations here. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, I'm 
I don't know about the third movie. Um, I doubt we'll ever see it, but never say never. Oof. Around the world in 80 days. Spoiler alert, folks. I don't know how good the movie mm. is because I haven't seen it in forever, but uh, not successful at all. $110 million budget. It made $72 million. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> mm. Oh, dear. Yeah. Well, they may not want to revisit that franchise. <laughs> I guess Jules Vernon popular with the kids. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's a secret Vernian. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Shout out to Jules Vernon. But now, here's the, here's the moment of truth, Neil. It is time for our rankings of this film. So, the way we do the ratings here, it's on a scale of one to five. If a movie is great, if a movie is perfect, if a movie is great from start to finish, Dwayne Johnson is great in it, that's a five out of five. We just went one-on-one with the great one. (laughs) If a movie is good, if a movie is close to perfect, but there's one or two things that keep keep it from being a perfect film that's a four out of five that's a people's chance if a movie is solid it's it's not terrible but it's not great either and Dwayne is you know good in the film but he can't really elevate it but so much that's a three out of five that's a know your role if a movie is bad but it's got some redeeming qualities if if Either Dwayne is bad and the movie is is solid, or the movie's bad and Dwayne is solid. That's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint, Neil. (laughs) But if a movie is terrible, if a movie has no redeeming qualities, if a movie is doomed, (laughs) that is a one out of five. That is a rock bottom. So, Neil Flanagan, on a scale of one to five, what would you rate 2012's Journey to the Mysterious Island. Okay. Well, it's not a five. I think <laughs> we can both agree. And it's yes. not a one. Um, process of elimination here. Process of elimination. It's not a four. <laughs> that leaves Jabroni Joint. Or can it be elevated to a three? I'm going to go a little harsh, perhaps. Mm. I think it's not a great film, but The Rock is good in it. Yes. And that makes it a jabroni joint, so it's a two for me. <laughs> All right, a two out of five, a jabroni joint. Yeah. I think if if this script were better, this could easily be a three, maybe even a four, mm-hmm. if, if it had a tighter script and, and the characters were more fleshed out. I think, and this is completely uh opposite of the audience for the movie but i think if you got rid of the kids and it was just michael kane louis guzman and, and dwayne johnson on an island for an hour that's a better movie yeah yeah without vanessa hudgens and, and uh, josh hutcherson like they're they're fine but i think the like love story the the contrived love story doesn't really hit uh and yeah if you just got Guzman, Rock, and Michael Caine. Like, that's that's all I need for an hour. Absolutely. Uh, but then it's not a kid's movie. Sure. So we, we have to grade the movie for what it is, not for what we want it to be, Neil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because uh, I think Nate Milton's journey to the mysterious island uh, is would be a five out of five. 
Uh, <laughs> just Dwayne Johnson, Michael Caine. Uh, we we got uh, Luis Guzman, and then I throw in Jackie Chan, just to yeah. give him give him a comeback from from around around the world in eighty days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he needs it. Yes, he needs he needs to redeem his Vern. Uh, but I think I'll give this. It's either a two or a three. I don't yeah. think I don't think it's a one. It's certainly not a five. It's not a four. So the question is, would I recommend this movie? And I think that like that's the that's the line that that you know gets you between a two and a three. Like for instance, Be Cool is not a great movie. Yeah. But if you hadn't seen it, Neil, I'd say you know what, it's yeah. worth a watch on a rainy yeah. day. And so that's why I think Be Cool is a three. Be Cool is a know your role. Yeah. This movie, I'm not recommending to anybody. <laughs> unless you're listening, unless you're watching it just to kind of go along with the podcast, that's the only reason I would recommend watching Journey 2. Like, it's it's not memorable enough, and it's not clever enough to be sort of a rainy day thing or a yearly tradition. So, you know, good effort by Dwayne Johnson, good effort, of course, by Michael Caine and uh, Luis Guzman, but... I give it a two out of five. Yeah. It's a jabroni joint. Yeah. We're on the same page, Nate. Yes. Well, much like uh, Jules Verne and Robert Louis Stevenson. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Jonathan Swift. <laughs> uh, yeah, this movie. Like, like, that's probably why they couldn't make a third movie, because it took them two years just to work out the, the logistics of the script. Sure. I mean, I, I can't imagine the creative process for them going to the moon in the, in the third one. Yeah. I'm sure there are rejected scripts, rejected treatments, and, and what have you sitting around somewhere. Or probably like what would be the, the impetus to get, like, this group of people that we just saw, like, their whole thing was, we want to go find Grandpa. That's right. You found you found Grandpa. Now, now we want to take Grandpa to the moon? Like, no, that doesn't track. <laughs> it doesn't track. Yeah. It doesn't. And people have been to the moon. <laughs> yes. Yes. If, if you really want to go to the moon, Sean, join NASA. You're young enough. You've got your father's a former naval officer. You've got a connection. Absolutely. He's got an in, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, So uh, before we get out of here, uh, I want to thank Neil Flanagan for hopping on, Neil. And thank you again for your donation uh, during the charity broadcast post wrestling Neil, uh, before I let you get out of here, man, like, is there anything you want to promote anybody you want to shout out any, anything else on your mind before we leave the theater this month? Not really, Nate. I just want to say thanks very much. I think what you did on the cafe grande hangout, um, giving people the opportunity, it was, uh, it was, um, an excellent thing to do. Um, it's, it isn't the reason that I donated. I thought the cause was good anyway, but you know, as a bonus, wonderful and very thoughtful of you. So, um, if anything, I just want to promote all of the, the, the post wrestling, uh, family of podcasts, which, uh, give me so much joy. And, uh, uh, also your efforts with, uh, Marcus Vanderberg, a wonderful broadcaster, uh, on Kings of Sport. So, that, uh, that nothing to plug for me, but uh, I just want to say thanks. Well, th- thank you, Sean. And and uh, you know, speaking of plugs, you know, I, I guess I'll I'll take some plugs, take some time to plug some things here. And and the first thing I want to plug 
is something that is brand new. And Sean, it, it, it I feel like, uh, you know, since you were the first to jump up and, and, and uh, donate, I think you should be the first to hear about this new item that is on sale right now in the post wrestling store. Wow. Because beginning this week, folks, if you like the Rocky Maivia picture show, I'm sure you want to walk around in your neighborhood. Well, not right now, but when, when we're free to walk around <laughs> in our neighborhoods again, you want to walk around and, and show people in your neighborhood that you like the Rocky Maivia picture show. And then when they see the, the logo on your shirt and wondering, what's all this? What's this Rocky Maivia picture show? You can tell them about your favorite podcast from the good people of Post Wrestling. So <laughs> starting this week in the Post Wrestling shop, we have available for purchase Rocky Maivia picture show t-shirts. Wonderful. Excellent. Yes. So head over to store.postwrestling.com and you can pick up your very own Rocky Maivia picture show t-shirt that you can wear with pride and say, I too have watched through all of Rock's movies. I too have suffered through Doom and Journey to the Mysterious <laughs> Island and the Tooth Fairy. And this is my badge of honor that I show to the world. <laughs> That's great news, Nate. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Wanna wanna shout out uh Wei Ting and, and, and uh, uh my man Robert for, for coming up with an amazing design and, and uh yes, yeah, so uh hopefully it's a shirt that the listeners will like and, and and be able to wear with pride and uh you know again something in, in these tough times that can bring us all together. We can all be a part of the Rocky My Via Picture Show community. Well, I'll certainly be looking out for it. Is that Robert Pearson design, did you say? Yes, yes, Robert he, Pearson. Uh, that guy uh, is so uh, uh, talented. Yes, uh, an amazing talent. So shout out to Brother Robert. Yes, I, absolutely. I, I, I like The listeners can obviously see the design on the website right now, but I'll, 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 I'll shoot you the pic while, when we're off air because uh, I, like Robert sent me the design a few weeks ago, and I was like, this is amazing. And, and uh, yeah, we, we made it happen, and there is now – uh, Rocky My Via Picture Show merch up at the Post Wrestling store at store.postwrestling.com. Excellent. Yeah, so uh, let's see. Any other plugs? Uh, as Sean mentioned, you can check out the Kings of Sport. We have a Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport with myself and Marcus Vandenberg. We've got a ton of content up there now. Uh, we've recently added the entire run of Keeping 100, which was the show that Brian Mann and I used to do for live audio wrestling. That is available on the Kings of Sport Patreon now, as well as the uh, TDT Talks, which is a new show featuring myself and a bunch of my friends in the podcast community talking about how we're all kind of collectively getting through this current crisis that, mm. that we're all kind of stuck in. So uh, that, that's available at the Kings of Sport Patreon, patreon.com slash Kings of Sport. Uh, you can check out uh, my Twitter in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K, at Nate Mosaic, which has links to all the various shows that I do. Uh, let's see. Shout out to uh, Braden Harrington, who devised the theme music for the Rocket My View Picture Show. And shout out to Austin James, graphic design for the uh, podcast art for this show. Uh, so that's going to do it for Robert. Not Robert. Uh, got Robert on my mind. Yeah, and you, you were calling me Sean <laughs> for a minute there, Nate. 
uh, I think that was all that talk of the third movie and Sean going to the moon. Yes. It's, 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 it's Neil. It's Neil. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know where Sean came from. It's like, it's so many, so many names. Well, he's in the film, so that's why <laughs> we've got. Yeah. We both have Sean on the. We both have on, Sean on the brain. I don't know if I'm talking to Neil or Sean or, or Robert, uh, Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, or Mike. Uh, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is what happens. We're we're on we're on day feels like day four hundred. Oh, it feels like year year four hundred. It is amazing uh, the the how this manages to play with your perception of time. Yes, you know. I mean, I'm still working working from home, but it is weird. Uh, yeah, weekends don't feel like weekends anymore. And this is all in the space of just a few weeks. So if it goes on for much longer, I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, like, I know, I know it's like, uh, like my friends there, the friends that I have that are typically night owls are going to bed earlier. And the friends I have that would typically, you know, go to bed at a sensible time, they're still up at one, two in the morning. Yeah. It's like everybody's rhythm is all thrown off. Yeah. Everything's um, upside down. Yes, everything's upside down. Cats and dogs are living together in harmony. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we've got one piece of business left to attend to, Neil, mm. before we close the theater doors this week, and that is to preview what's coming up next time in the theater. So we went on a journey this month, but next month, Neil, I hope the people are ready because playing in the theater will be 2013's Snitch. I'm not a drug dealer, Dad. Believe me, right? Of course I believe you. This is a federal case. The mandatory minimum laws are very simple. Jason is facing 10 years in prison. 10 years? We need your son to help us make arrests before we can help him reduce the sentence. What if I did it for him? What if I helped you make arrests? How far would you go to save your son? I might get you out of here. How? By doing a drug deal. Well, when you work for us, you will be treated like family. This, of course, includes your wife and your child. What happens when everyone finds out you're an informant? They gotta come after our family's challenge. There is no way I'm gonna let either side dictate our fates. No way. Every move that I make, Jason will have to live with for the next 10 years of his life. And what if you don't live? Trust me. Snitch, ready for 13 February 22nd. So that's the trailer for Snitch. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I believe we've got some more postmarks who have uh, been so generous and kind with their donations that are going to join me. And, and yeah, this is this is something fun for me too, you know, Neil. That uh, you know, getting to talk to because I often speak with a lot of the postmarks on the message board in the forum, uh, yeah. or, or on Twitter or through social media. But uh, being able to sit down for an hour, hour and a half, and and talk about these random. Dwayne the Rock Johnson films. Uh, I think it's going to be fun for the next few months. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Nate. I, I, I've wanted to for a while, you know, because you've been on the cafe, but uh, the the standard way that the John and Way do the hangout is that the two of them are in the room. They can only take one call at a time. That seems to be changing at the minute where they can do these multi um yep multi-calls so um but uh yeah it's been an absolute pleasure and if people coming up who are also um postmarks 
um, have half of the fun that I have had um, doing this with you, then, you know, they'll have a great time. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I just want to thank you very much and an honor. And thank you very much. Uh, thank you, brother. This has been fun. I hope that uh, the listeners out there enjoyed this and it uh, gives you a little something to take your mind off of what's going on outside. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get through this together. One, we will. one Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie at a time, Neil. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's how we're going to do it. And then by the yeah. time we finish, President Rock, actually, I think Rock's too big just to be the president. He'll be... Sure. He'll be World Emperor Rock, you know. We'll yeah, we need. I think we need something like that after all this is over. Some just some real Dwayne leadership Johnson and Dr. Fauci. I want them to just lead us for the next <laughs> ten years. <laughs> yeah, I second that. Oh, uh, so that's gonna do it for this edition of the Rocky My View Picture Show. Neil, thank you for stopping by, brother. I hope you had fun, and uh, yes, I'll I'll leave you to go watch uh the rest of the movies in the uh, Jules Verne cinematic universe. Cause I know <laughs> that's going to take up your quarantine time now. Yeah. Thanks again, Nate. It's been an absolute honor. All right. And if you see Rihanna in, in, in any, any field <laughs> near you, give me a call. So. <laughs> Will do. FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> so for Neil Flanagan, for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and of course, for Jules Verne, who brought this all together. <laughs> I am the Godfather Nate Milton. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. And remember, Nubian eyes are watching. We'll see you next time. Tang your ass on out of here. Ah!